Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports batter. This is episode number 34, Thursday, February 21st, 2019, the official Doggy Juice Oscars preview episode. Today I have a very special one for you, and I know you can already see by the incredibly long length of this episode, but the reason for that is I finally brought on someone for an interview who I've been looking forward to bringing on uh, to the podcast ever since its inception, and that's my little Hollywood star and best friend, Craig Dickey. So for those who are not aware, I was I was actually a film major myself back in college. I even dabbled in some amateur filmmaking and... The film, the entire film medium and film storytelling medium is still one of my biggest passions. But my best friend Craig is my go-to expert, um, the best go-to expert I know when it comes to movies and filmmaking, and he's been living out in L.A. now for almost a decade. So last night I sat down with him uh, via Zencaster uh, for a, a nice long talk about what it's like to be a Chicago sports fan out in L.A., uh, you get our take on the state of the NBA today, and and then, of course, we deep dive into the upcoming Academy Awards this Sunday, where I tried to isolate some actionable information for us betters. Uh, like I said, Craig lives out in L.A. He's worked in Hollywood for the past nine-plus years. He used to work for The Tonight Show when Conan O'Brien was the host for that brief period of time. He also has worked on films at, at DreamWorks. He's dabbled in some animation as a production coordinator. He's done a lot of work with sketch comedy groups, including forming his own sketch comedy group that even saw some some of their videos featured on the front page of Funny or Die. And naturally, living out in L.A., he's always cooking up some passion projects. He, he has a few, in, in my opinion, brilliant screenplay ideas. And on top of that, his wife, Libby, is he was, she was on the casting team uh, for the recent Spider-Man animated movie that won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Film. And her team is about to win an Oscar this Sunday when that film wins an Academy Award. So early congrats to her. Um, so we have our little Hollywood expert on the pod today for our Oscars preview, and that's going to be the entire episode. But first, locally here in Chicago, there's some big news out in Illinois this past week regarding sports betting, namely yesterday. So I'm going to touch on that first. Let's start out with some quick hitters. Okay, let's get it going. So yesterday was a massive day for the future of legalized sports betting in the state of Illinois. And as I've been stating all along since I started this podcast early last September, it's coming, baby. It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast in the first place. And it's just a matter of when, not if, here in Illinois. And yesterday, we learned that the when may be as early as this summer. So yesterday, as expected, incoming Governor J.B. Pritzker made his budget proposal to the Illinois State Legislature. And included in his budget for fiscal year 2020 is a whopping $217 million in sports betting-related state revenue. Governor Pritzker also took a deep dive in outlining his proposal and what he would like the legislature to get done in terms of a sports betting bill. He was very specific in his request, too, which is kind of surprising. Now, in my opinion, and this is just my gut reaction after yesterday, I, I have not uh, taken the deep dive into really looking at the specifics, but in my opinion, there's both very good news and very bad news from Governor Pritzker's proposal, and I'm going to dissect this for you. So first, the good news. Governor Pritzker is clearly all in on sports betting. He clearly recognizes the potential state revenue involved, and he also clearly realizes that 
legislation is inevitable after PASPA was overturned and as other states have quickly moved to legalize. He even went so far himself in saying that getting this legalized sooner rather than later is very important. And this is to quote Governor Pritzker. Expansion of gambling is a perennial effort in this state, and often these proposals get bogged down in regional disputes and a Christmas tree approach, but in those instances, we were talking about adding more riverboats or adding into other regions. Sports betting is different. This is a new market created by a recent U.S. Supreme Court decision. Every day we argue about who's in and who's out is money that goes to other states and to the black market. End quote. So when you consider that Governor Pritzker is a Democrat and the Illinois legislature is dominated by Democrats in both chambers, he's going to get this done. I mean, clearly there's a, he recognizes that time is of the essence here as other states move to the market. So sports betting is going to get done in Illinois. So that's the good news. Pritzker is calling for legalized sports betting, and the legislature is clearly motivated to make it happen. There are going to be a lot of hearings in March and April to dissect the, le- the subject um, as legislatures in Illinois namely a representative named Mike Saluski, work on the language of the legislation. So we're going to be able to bet legally in Illinois, and there's a very strong chance that it's coming this year, likely by football season, end of the summer, if not midsummer. Okay, so now time for the bad news. And as I said, Governor Pritzker, he outlined a very detailed proposal of what he's requesting in terms of the sports betting legislation, what he would like to see in Illinois. And unfortunately, this proposal is very similar to the legislation that is present in the state of Pennsylvania, which recently legalized. And I fear that this request by the Governor Pritzker is way too short-sighted in nature and very dangerous. So first, he's calling for 20 interactive sports wagering licenses that will cost a staggering $10 million each, which is similar to the incredibly high licensing fee that was implemented in Pennsylvania. And not only is that a burdensome number, but it will only allow big players to enter the market. And that will inevitably lead to an oligarchy over the market. And, you know, I've always thought competition is supposed to be good, right? But on top of that, and this is what worries me the most, is that Pritzker is proposing a 20% tax on sports betting revenue, on gross sports betting revenue, which would be the nation's second highest tax rate behind Pennsylvania. And I think that's such a burdensome rate. Tax rate obviously means less money for operators to hold on to, which may lead operators to uh, force bettors to, to bet into minus 115 lines or not typical minus 110 juice and take other measures to try and um, increase their, their revenue because of the burdensome tax rate. And when that happens, the black market is going to continue to thrive. And like I've said, I ain't laying no above minus 110. So you can't create a situation where the taxing structure is overly burdensome on operators. Instead, you have to give them room to breathe, develop, and innovate. And by holding them down with a burdensome tax rate, you're going to force them to do things they don't want to do. And that's that's only going to serve to keep betters away and allow the black market to continue to thrive and for Illinois not to enjoy the numbers, the potential revenue numbers that they really can enjoy by allowing the market to breathe. So um, this is something that that the states, you know, the state does not want black market to, the black market to continue to thrive, but nonetheless, there's this this tax rate proposal by Governor Pritzker. Uh, I should note that Representative Zaluski, who's planning to introduce the sports betting bill, he said that there may be wiggle room on this proposed tax rate, and I personally hope he's right, but. When you look at Pennsylvania and its slower-moving market and consider all the potential that Illinois has, I think that 
Governor Pritzker, this part of his proposal is very short-sighted. I fear that he's blinded by his desire to reach that $217-plus million revenue figure next fiscal year. And that will come into play with these $20, $10 million licensing fees just to fit his own personal agenda. And I think doing so there might be short-sighted and not very forward-thinking. But having said all that, yesterday was big news for the future of Illinois legalized sports betting. Pritzker's proposal does call for mobile sports betting, too. So that's clearly a step in the right direction. And I think this is a key juncture right now for the Illinois Assembly. Um, Although I don't have much faith in them getting this right, I'm at least happy with the fact that they're clearly going to get this done sooner than, than most of us even thought. So... Um, of course, I'll be keeping all of you updated on the, updated here on this over the next few months as things progress, um, as I've been doing the whole time the past few months. The Doggy Juice Pod is here for all of your latest news on sports betting legislation here in the state of Illinois. <laughs> NHL first period overs. This is the best bet going on in sports betting, and it, it has been for a while now. I first brought this up in an episode last month, I believe, or at least several weeks ago. This was first brought to everyone's attention by Paulie Howard and Mitch Moss over on VEASAN's Follow the Money show. So for any info on it, just check out the hashtag FollowTheMoney5, the number five. And the premise is that five teams in particular are hitting um, their first period overs. Uh, Usually the over-under and first periods in the NHL are 1.5, usually with juice towards the over. But they've been hitting these overs at such an incredible rate that sportsbooks their offerings are just not able to keep up. They're trying to raise the juice, but it's just not working. And I saw uh, one book um, in New Jersey is actually, they made it over under 0.5 goals, but the juice was, it was like minus, almost minus a thousand on the over. So they really made it burdensome. No one wants to obviously lay that because obviously the book's out on this and people know about it. But at the same time, the first period overs keep cashing, including last night when the Blackhawks beat the, the Red Wings. So there's, there five prof- there's five teams involved here that have been profiting, profiting at this rate, um, and those teams are the Chicago Blackhawks, who I just mentioned, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the San Jose Sharks, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And since the inception of the Foul of the Money Five, the New Jersey Devils have also come into play as well, so there's actually kind of six teams here. But what's even more interesting is, furthermore, the the top first period over teams are 90 plus percent to the over in the first period when facing each other. Tampa, when they play one of the other follow follow the money five teams, they're 12 and 0 to the over in the first period. Pittsburgh 10 and 1, and that these numbers were from a couple days ago, so they might have changed. Uh, the Blackhawks were 8 and 1, but now they're 9 and 1 after last night. Uh, or sorry, last night they didn't they didn't uh, face a top five follow the money team, but they did the other night. So. Uh, and that one cashed as well. So I believe the Blackhawks are 9-1 and one when facing those teams. So keeps cashing. It's something to pay attention to. The market's on to it, but they can't set these numbers high enough, and it's, it's, uh, it's just a cash cow right now. <laughs> the second half of the NBA season is about to get underway, although a lot more than half of the games have already been played. Uh, the Westgate in Las Vegas has hung a prop on whether or not the Lakers will make the playoffs, and the no is actually the favorite. Uh, the last I saw was, I think a couple other places are holding it up too now, but uh, are offering it as well, but minus 125 on the no, and I saw plus 105 on the yes. So if you think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, LeBron 
he's actually an underdog to, to make the playoffs this year for the first time in his entire career. I think there'll be a bad look for the Lakers to not make the playoffs. Obviously, they're building for the future, not concerned with this year, but they are officially underdogs to make the playoffs. Baseball win totals are up everywhere now. Brought this up a few weeks ago. Some sports books uh, put them up early this year, notably Caesars in Las Vegas. They were the first to market in Vegas uh, in Nevada this year. Uh, so in terms of baseball win totals, what I've learned is the starting point in looking at teams, um, you know, to consider whether or not to play their over or under for their season win total. And, and by the way, quick sidebar, I think that that's a fantastic bet. Uh, season win totals are um, for individual teams is way better than the futures market where there's just no value usually betting futures, especially in baseball before the season starts. Like last year, the Dodgers, you know, before the season started, they were the favorite to one of the favorites to win the world series, but you could have got them. And I, I did get this myself. I got them 10 to one just to win the NL a month or two into the season with, with that slow start. You could have got them 20 to one to win the world series and they made it to the world series last year. So um, that's something to consider. It's such a long season. You can usually find better futures numbers during the course of the season. So season win totals, that's the way to go uh, in terms of looking for value. The obvious issue involved is opportunity cost. Um, tying your money up for that long, for five next five to six months on a season win total is not ideal. So that's why uh, it's especially appealing for those with uh, credit options uh, with sports betting. So obviously be careful with that. But um, there's opportunity cost involved. But when you're looking at season win totals, you can isolate value, especially early on in the process uh, right now before the market really shapes up the numbers. Obviously, the Vultures are already getting at some of the numbers, and you're seeing some of the the totals move. But when looking at teams to consider whether or not you're going to play their over-under, the starting point for me is to look at their Pythagorean wins instead of what their actual win total was from last season. So you can look at the Pythag wins, and that's not your typical uh, geometry Pythagorean theorem, but you basically look at, and you can find these numbers online, um, what their win total should have been after adjusting um, for various factors. Um, so there's some teams that, you know, whose record last year was actually not reflective of, of what their uh, their record should have been, and some teams played below um, or above what their what their record ended up last year. So look at Pythagorean wins instead of actual win total when starting with the team out, and then you move into additions and subtractions to player personnel. So don't look at the team's actual results last year. Look at what should have been when looking at Pythagorean wins. And, um, and interestingly, and props to Gil on VEASAN's a numbers game show for bringing this to my attention, but more than 25% of Major League Baseball teams lost 95 games or more last year. That was the Padres, the Reds, Marlins, Rangers, Royals, White Sox, and of course, the all-time bad Orioles. So last night, uh, right when I was beginning that, that interview that you're about to hear with Craig, Zion Williamson went down for Duke. Uh, 35 seconds into the Duke-UNC game. Um, I'm hearing right now that it's just a knee sprain, but obviously this is a big deal, something to pay attention to with uh, moving forward because obviously Duke was the favorite to, the overwhelming favorite to win the tournament this year. The the Lions, the, a lot of books have taken down their, their futures odds, but uh, the ones that still have it up, I mean, they're still the favorite, but something to, to look at because Zion's injury obviously is going to have a massive impact on, on the markets moving forward so pay attention to that hopefully zion will be okay and we'll it'll be interesting to see if uh, they file a suit against nike it's uh worth paying attention to as well <laughs> all right i understand that this is an incredibly long episode but for the remainder i'm going to play for you my sit down interview from last night 
with my best friend Craig as we dive into life out in L.A. and preview the Oscars. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back with an interview that I've been looking forward to for a long time. This one's with my best friend and the guy who's going to be the best man at my wedding. His name is Craig, and he lives out in L.A. How's it going, Craig? What's going on? Great so, uh, to be on uh, as your best friend. It's incredible that it's been this fucking long. <laughs> well, I, I've had it in my mind that I'm saving you for this very specific episode. We're going to do a deep dive, uh, an Oscar preview of uh, the Academy Awards this Sunday, um, bringing the degenerate listeners hopefully some value so they can find some good bets to bet on for the Sunday, or at least know what the hell they're watching. Um, but, uh, but you're a big sports guy yourself. We grew up worshiping Michael Jordan together. And, um, and also we have this special rivalry between us, uh, the Duke UNC rivalry. And ironically, Duke is playing UNC right now. And Zion just went, went down with that knee. So waiting that one out, but, um, but we've always, we've always been at odds over that over the years, but, uh, yeah, man. How's it going? Let's. Uh, how about we tell the people about? So you've been living in in L.A. Hollywood area for like what, like nine over nine years now? Um, yeah, it'll be actually ten years uh, come end of May. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that. That's nuts. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I um, and I have nothing to show for it. Well, dude, that's that's not true oh, at all. For yeah. For um, for starters, yeah, I've, I've been out here almost ten years, and it's it's just been it's been a whirlwind. I can't even believe that it was ten years ago that I was interning at the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien. Yeah, I, I remember that was you hooked show. me up. I, I went out there to visit you when you were doing that internship, and it was like that. How long was the Tonight Show host? Like eight months or something like yeah, that, around there. Months, eight or. Eight months. I think it was like eight months. Yeah, yeah. You, you hooked ten year. You, you hooked me up with um with free ticket to go there, and I got to see Fifty Cent and oh yeah. Um, I think it was oh man, what's her name? The chick who plays like the the horny chick in in the Forty Year Old Virgin. Uh, that like oh, the boss the man. Yeah. No. Wait. Like, oh no, no, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, no, no, no. The the yeah. old horny. Was it Elizabeth Banks? Yeah. Yeah, it was Elizabeth Banks. Uh, it was crazy. Either way, it was hilarious. It was awesome. I enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, that was, that was short lived. Yes, unfortunately, for some reason we got so many repeat guests, like yeah. McDonald, all the time. It was on <laughs> once a week. It's at one point. Norm McDonald's ironically like a, a pretty big degenerate, actually, too, from what I understand. That's likes like, likes I'm to bet on like, likes to bet on hockey, but uh. Yeah, so so you've been uh, you've been in the industry for a while. I mean, you've, you've worked at Universal for a while, um, a couple different films. You've been the casting director, or, or worked in casting. I don't the exact. No, roles. I, or, or, sorry, not, sorry, that's Libby. That's Libby. I'm sorry, she's involved in cast. Yeah, she, yes, she's a very talented casting director at Sony. Yes, sorry, your production quarter. That's that's what. Yeah, I worked uh, in production and a couple of animation studios and. Um, and then I decided to get out of animation, so now I'm in uh, like the social media and content world. Mm. 
So, so all that now. So I've been all over the block. That's what 10 years in LA does to you. Just yeah, man. Either, you know, go head first into the film industry or get out as soon as possible. Yeah. At the same time that you've, you've could you could see Hollywood from an angle that a lot of others just can't see because you've seen it from a bunch of different angles. You've worn a bunch of different hats already in these 10 years. So you'll be able to draw on that moving forward and more importantly, draw on it to help us win some Oscar bets. Oh yeah. Giddy up people. <laughs> Let's do oh, it. Boy, have I seen very little this year, but what I have seen, I have a real strong fucking opinion about it. <laughs> well, before we jump into that stuff, I want to hear, cause you're a big sports nut and I can't believe you've been out there for 10 years, but you have almost. And yeah. I, you've been bitching about the L.A. sports fans for, for this entire time. But I, I think, like, you know, obviously I'm out in Chicago and, and most of my listeners are. So what's, what are L.A. sports fans, like, unfiltered really like from a Chicago fan's perspective? Um, from, so from a Chicago fan's perspective, think about it like – how you feel if you're a Cubs fan about Sox fans and if you're a Sox fan, how you feel about Cubs fans, but so, you just hate them. <laughs> so you're, you're just surrounded by these people that are that, I mean, look, there are some definitely the, some good Dodger fans out there, but the ones that uh, get aggressive, get uber aggressive, get extra aggressive. And it's, you know, they slashed one of my friend's tires because he had like a cub sticker on his bumper. Um, Jeez. He didn't even have any plates. He had Nevada plates. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a little bit grittier. It's just, uh, it, people are just extra rude and ready to get down into a fight. Like it always seems like everybody's just, well, at least the LA fans that I've come across um, at like the games or at bars, especially at bars, they just get easily um, irritated if um, you cheer or you're happy for your team for even <laughs> half a second. If it's against them, they uh, they're they're ready to throw down. They take it as a personal affront. It sounds like <laughs> yes. It's a like I'm attacking them with my fandom. <laughs> is it true that they're like? Do they really show up that late to um, to Dodger Stadium to Chavez Ravine? Like I, whenever I'm watching games, of course a fucking cops coming to bust That's me. Up. Jeez. Anyway, do they really show up that late to uh, to games there? Or is it really because of the traffic? Um, it's definitely the traffic. Um, I don't. I mean, look. I think. I, I don't think it's an LA fan thing. I think it's an LA thing. I think it's mm-hmm. an LA people thing that everybody shows up casually late to everything here because it's just that kind of, you know, laid back environment. Whereas like Chicago or New York is way more like, you know, aggressive and way more um, diligent about, you know, being on time, getting to places on time. Cause a lot of people are not driving in New York and, you know, if they had to wait an hour for the fucking subway to show up and you're, you know, 10 minutes late to a fucking meeting, they're, you know, they're going to have your head on a silver platter. Right. But out here, that's just kind of like the way it is, man. 
Just yeah, it's so also there's like a bunch of other shit to do. Like you're outside and stuff. There's a lot of other distractions. Yes, know, that. definitely. And the legal marijuana certainly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes things late too. Right? Yeah, you look at go, go to the game the, the day after accidentally. You know exactly. It's exactly. all right. It happens, man. <laughs> you get there a day late. Ah, whatever, man. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. I mean, I, I don't care about any of these LA teams, so I don't care if I show up late to any of their games. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Do you um do you try to go out to like a lot of whenever the Chicago team? I know you've been to like Cubs games out there, but yeah, um, yeah, that's always um, I, it's tough with the Bulls because they only they only come here sometimes twice a year, right? Um, and they're only here like you know, just those two games. So it's like, if I can't make those dates, then I have no other shot at seeing them. Whereas the Cubs at least come out here, you know, a couple of times in the season right. for multiple games in a row. So I have a better shot at, um, you know, snapping right. right. them. Um, <clears throat> the Hawks, I haven't really seen out here, unfortunately. Um, and certainly not the Bears because we haven't played the Rams uh, here. Uh, Dude, so that, here. that game should have happened. Fucking the game should have happened. Cody Parkey makes that fucking field goal, then you get a Saturday <laughs> Saturday night game there. That's about that asshole. Yeah, I mean, look, I get, I get it. It's like a high pressure situation, but I mean, when you have one job, one job, like <laughs> imagine you didn't go to work for a day. <laughs> that's the equivalent to me. That's the equivalent. Like I don't show up to work and I didn't tell anybody. And I had a big responsibility that day to run a meeting and I didn't show up. I would absolutely be fired or <laughs> I would, I, I, I mean, I would be suspended without pay or something. I mean, yeah. this guy's going to totally be fine. Right. And, and he, he, he like ruined his job. It's not, he didn't even not do his job. He ruined his job. It's, it's almost like, Instead of not showing up to the meeting, you like send like Hitler. I don't know, like yeah, send, send send Hitler to like or yeah, like just kill everybody in your office when you're. Are saying everybody? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's tough being a being a Chicago fan out there, but at least you have. I think like the one thing you could always draw on though is there's so many damn Chicago transplants out there. So you like don't, don't you have like your special like Chicago bar that you go to? Yeah, there's a Chicago bar down the street from where I live that um, we frequent quite a bit. Um, it's de- it's the toughest during bear season because uh, it gets it gets wall to wall packed and they have to turn people away. But we go there for Bulls, Hawks games, Cubs games, definitely. Um, right. A very good bar. It's good to be around. You know, it, it, there's this immediate connection that you find with people from Chicago um, out here that I think we're all like, what a fucking crazy place we live in out here. And we can just kind of relate on that level and, and remember Chicago fondly. You, you can all bond together over your scraped car tires and stuff from those asshole LA fans yeah, because exactly. of the bumper sticker. Yeah. Um, so you're a big college, you're a big basketball guy. We played basketball together growing up. Um, and obviously College hoops is in full gear right now. March Madness is coming up. Um, yeah. So you're you're a UNC guy, but um, so who do you like this year in in, uh, in college hoops? Well, we were talking about before we uh, 
we got on here. That, yeah, I just want I just want you to record. I want this recorded. No, 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 no. I what, what I'm saying. Is what, what? No, yeah. What you're about to say, I want it recorded. If you know what I mean. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, oh. Ah. <laughs> well, then I'm going to change my answer. Um, I uh, I think Duke is unfortunately for me the uh, so hard right now. Uh, <laughs> that's all you have on tape. Um, uh, but. You know, I, it, it's all, it's so dependent on one player. And that's the thing. Like he went down tonight. Hopefully he's fine. I, you know, I don't wish anybody ill. Um, but you know, like it all relies on him. I don't think that they're a strong enough team without him. Um, so it could be, uh, a very interesting March madness if he isn't playing up to par. Yeah. Right. I mean, even if he, that's a good point. Like if he, does come back is he going to be 100 percent? i mean you never know right exactly and i've seen it we've seen it before you know it's right. like it happens all the time that there's that college star that just does not show up come march madness and fucks just, their team yeah just throw everything into uh to craziness but either either way it's pretty open year i think too but duke's clearly i think they're the they're the front runner at the top of my power ratings, that's for sure. Um, so we're like NBA, big NBA guys too. Obviously, we both agree that the Michael Jordan era was the greatest era of all time. Um, and I want—I had this written down on, on the outline. I just want to get off my chest and kind of see what you think about it. But recently, I think just in general in the Hello. NBA, um, I have like this big hatred towards players for padding their stats and namely i'm going after james harden here because he's clear and westbrook too i think westbrook's even worse this triple double stat that i think has become so overblown the most overrated stat in sports now and i heard a story uh earlier this week uh, bobby sura i don't know if you remember that name uh, yeah, he he had a rebound taken away by the nba Many years ago, that would have oh, given yeah. it would have given him a triple double. But he admitted post game that he missed the layup on purpose just to get the rebound, so they took it away. And I feel like they should be doing that shit with Harden right now because he's even he's admitting he's taking these three pointers at the end of a game. He's trying to keep the consecutive thirty plus point game streak going. And you know, you see like assholes like like Westbrook. Not I think there's a stat I read about like um, Stephen Adams, their center, contested more three point shots last year than Russell Westbrook, the point guard, because he was always trying to get the fucking rebound and not contesting shots. So I, I, I mean, hate I that. Think I think, you know, I, I I think it's entertaining for fans that don't care about that stuff, like us. Um, and, like, I think it takes a certain level of fandom um, to give a shit about that stuff, unfortunately. Um, people that listen to this, you know, you guys are the kinds of people that are get irritated by this as do I, but I'm a little bit more cash about it. However, I will say it's just, it does, it's a detriment to the team. And and it's a reason why both of those teams have come. Oh, so close to winning championships or going into the championship, but haven't made it. It's because they're too reliant on one player and again, it goes back to our just our conversation about Zion, and I know that's college, but like it's the same mentality. Like, if if you're going to do that, you are just 
selfish as fuck and you're, you're going to go down as this incredible, um, you know, athlete with these incredible stats, but you're not going to be remembered for winning a fucking championship. And that's, that's, yeah. Right. Unfortunately, Michael Jordan has, and the conversation of MJ versus LeBron has come down to, and I guess Kobe too, championships, man. That's all that fucking matters. At the end of the day, if you want to be a legend, how many rings do you have? You know, that's so, the kind of- so based off that token, do you think it's diminished if you do win more titles? Do you think it's diminished if you're teaming up with, with all these players banding together? So if LeBron does get to six, which I think could very well be possible after he assembles his team, do you think it's the same? I think it's cheap. I think, well, I th- you know, I know plenty of people are, disagree with this. Um, I, I just think it's a, a, a cheap way to play. You know, Scottie Pippen was only as good as he could be when MJ was on the floor, running the floor. And Rodman could only be as good as Pippen and, and Jordan were on the floor. And he could pick up the slack where that left off. Right. You know, Jordan was this rarity, along with LeBron, that he can fill the holes that you know, other star uh, stars on the team might be dropping that night um, or filling empty or leaving empty, but he, he, they both have that ability and it's sad to see LeBron's career in Cleveland not have been more fruitful because, you know, I, I think that he is, that level of player I'm talking about, you know, MJ level. I don't think he's as good. You know, I don't think yeah, that's the bit. Yeah. Really you, you and I are obviously biased on that one too, but yeah, well, of course, but I do think, you know, it would have said something more to me had he won, you know, a, a couple more championships in Cleveland. In Cleveland yeah. Built, built a team around him of guys like the, you know, instead of just bringing in all those stars to work along with him or even like the veterans who, you know, are tr- seeking that championship. I agree. Yeah, with you. I, I agree. Don't anything about you know, you know, small market bullshit because you know San Antonio has proven you know five times that, that it's small market is meaningless. You can you can make a uh, you can make a team in a small market out of you know um, just building yeah like a, a, building a, a, an organization. I think they're the exception. You know, as much as them and like you look at, uh, I guess Atlanta is a big market. The Atlanta Braves, the way they did things, I guess the San, I, hate, I hate admitting, but the St. Louis Cardinals, it's a different yeah. sport, but like just organizational, like uh, stability and every year just being, and that Popovich and Spurs are the perfect example of that. Yeah. I agree. I mean, they're, I mean, they're one of a kind for sure. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the Academy Awards now. Um, unless you have anything else to say about to get off your chest about the NBA. No, tubes. let's talk about Lady Gaga. Gaga. So the Academy Awards betting on the Academy Awards is actually now legal for the first time in the United States. But that's just in the state of New Jersey. Um, you can you can obviously get down in far away places, but Nevada's Nevada's never offered it more. More uh, reason to be degenerates. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, of course, I think a lot of people 
will watch just because they have money on it. Um, I mean, let's, let's be real. Like, remember those um, those Oscar pools? I mean, people still do Oscar pools. I think a lot that gets a lot of people to watch too. But um, so, from what I understand, in, in order to like handicap the Academy Awards, and obviously this whole talk won't be about just handicapping the awards themselves, but um, what I've learned about it, the process, and this is different than uh, the Golden Globes, which is the Hollywood Foreign Press that votes, so it's no American voters. But for the Oscars, the Academy actually places their votes only during the week leading up to the Oscars. So they can't even place their vote until I think Sunday or even Monday of this week as, as early as they can do it. Um, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And I also heard this credit to Richard Roper, who, quick sidebar, didn't you intern for Richard Roper, the Chicago Sun-Times? I did. Yeah. What, what, what was he like? From- uh, he was always nice to me. Um, I heard, you know, from some people uh, around the – ABC building that he wasn't so great, but he's always very nice to me. I had little interaction with him, but when I did, it was very pleasant. All right, good. That makes me happy because he's he goes on for like a weekly Veasan segment. And I just I love it. He's a big degenerate, loves to gamble, loves to play poker, but uh, but he he always has really good insight. And uh, so he went on. He was handicapping the Oscars. And I'll actually tell you what his opinions were. Um, the odds did not don't look good for anyway. I'll, I'll get to that later but um he he said the last two years the academy has added over 1,000 members and most of them are under the age of 50 so there's a lot there's a lot more diversity within the academy now especially this year as opposed to last year Mm -hmm. so i think that that can come into play as well at the handicapping so before we actually dive into that i got i I have this on our rundown here but i want to talk about uh, just some oscar history here and I want to get your opinion on what you, what you think, off the top of your head, what the biggest Oscar snubs of all time are. Do you have any that come to mind? I have some written down that I can get to. But. Are you uh, are you asking me, or did you want to go through the... Oh, I, I'm asking you. Feel free. I mean, I wrote down some obvious examples. You could use one of those, but... but uh, I mean, you know, Saving Private Ryan, of course, comes to mind, because that's, you know, one of the greatest films my opinion. You, you mean Shaving Ryan's Private? Also fucking Shakespeare in Love, <laughs> uh, which uh, I've seen, and it's a pleasant movie, but um, it's definitely not worthy it's of... It's fucking Saving Private Ryan and stuff against, right? right. Um, so that definitely comes to mind. Yeah. Um, there are many instances in which I think the Academy messed up even nominations. There the biggest snub for me was the year that um, DiCaprio was nominated for the wrong role. Uh, he was nominated for his role in Blood Diamond when he should have been nominated for his role in Departed. Agreed. Because he fucking would have won it way earlier than he did. Did, did he go up against uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in that one that year? I think. No. Uh, that, I forget we lost to that year. I could, year. I could Google it really quick, too. But yeah, that one was bad. I yeah, so. I um. I mean, anytime Scorsese lost, you know, the yeah. big awards, you know, and like it's stuff like that that you know boggles my mind, like how it took him so long to win an Oscar. Right, and it's almost like you get, and this is going to come into play. I was going to bring this up later. There's like a lifetime achievement award aspect to the Oscars, <laughs> where you know you get a guy who's winning for a role that's like his fiftieth best role. I have a 
further down the line, but the best one that comes to mind there, the best example I could think of is Robert De Niro. He finally won for Scent of a Woman when, <laughs> not for The Godfather, to, you know, any of his, or... You mean Al Pacino? Oh, did I say, oh, did I say De Niro? I meant to say, so my yeah. bad, my bad, P- Pacino. Yeah, yeah. But, you heard it here, guys. You heard it here. I'm the expert now. <laughs> You're always the expert. Um, sorry, Pacino for Scent of a Woman. But, um, but also... Um, there's a, oh yeah, Raging Bull. I think the worst one of all time for me is Raging Bull losing to ordinary people. I don't know if mm. it, it's been yeah. a that that's like an all timer. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, again, it's like anything Scorsese touched back in those early days was gold until it came to winning a golden statue. And do you think that had a lot to do with people's perception of him? Like people just didn't like Scorsese. Is that I the big driving that, factor? I think it's a it's. Hollywood is very political, right? Um, which is why just having been in animation, I know that, you know, Disney wins consistently every year. I think they're going to lose this year. We'll get to that. I'm sure. But I, I, you know, it, it's bought and paid for a lot. It's, uh, connections. It's, you know, nepotism. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of factors, um, it's certainly not talent, right? Uh, because, um, and also, I think people like Scorsese were ahead of their time. We're talking about Raging Bull, which is the first boxing film, first sports film, really of its kind. I mean, we never got that close, got that bloody before, and so I think that put people off at the time. And ordinary people is such an easy pill to swallow. It's like you know, it's like so many Oscar films. There's always one. It's like, you know, Green Book this year. I think that is a, it's a very funny film. It's a very touching film. It's a very good film. But I do think, and it means a lot at this time, but I, it's an easy pill to swallow. You know what I mean? It's, it, there's one every year. There's one or, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, the entire category, but. Mm-hmm. No, that's. I, I love that you said that because that's like the backdrop that I want us to have in this talk about trying to like, especially find gambling value from my perspective is that we're not handicapping the movies themselves, how good we think they are, or even how like the general public thinks there is nothing to do with who's going to win. And sometimes, like you said, that's the ordinary people, like those easy pills to swallow are the ones that win. And to that end, I feel like that's where we could actually see value moving forward when we're about to go through these categories. When you look at those films that are, that are more politically charged, like you said, green book is perfect for this time right now. And also, you know, like black Panther, black Klansman, these movies, when you consider the change in the diversity to the Academy, adding over you know, all those new members this year and all these politically charged movies, I think that that's a good backdrop to have, uh, as we do this. Um, so, I have some trivia here too, and it's obviously you can read this, so I'm not going to like stump you or anything like that, but only three films have won the top five awards in all time. That's best picture, best actor, best actress, best director, and their screenplay category. Obviously there's two screenplay categories, uh, original and adapted, but those three films were, if you want to impress people, listeners at cocktail parties, it happened one night from 1934 one flew over the cuckoo's nest 1975 and then is this next one still your favorite film of all time 
Uh, it's changed. Okay. Uh, it's still definitely the, in my top five. The, the Silence of the Lambs from 1991. What What is your favorite film of all time now? Almost Famous. Oh, right. I think I knew that. Yeah. Uh, being a big music lover, it's um, kind of hard for me not to love that movie because it's such a love letter to, to music. That's such a To rock and roll. Yeah. What What year was around that one come out, by the way? That was 94. No, no, no. That was 2000. Sorry. That was 2000. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I think I watched that with you too. Like a long time. I've only seen it once. So maybe I'll watch it again. Anyway. So um, this Sunday, the Academy Awards as always, is never short of surprises. And obviously there's a lot of films that are going to be in all the categories, but which of, you could take as long as you need on these, but how, which of like the big films, so I guess the best picture category films and maybe even a couple others have you seen, uh, going into this? So, um, I've seen green book and black Panther, the favorite Bohemian Rhapsody star is born black Klansman vice. Um, that's most of them. <laughs> I've seen quite a, a bit. What do you say? Like, <laughs> it's like all of them. <laughs> so, so yeah, except for Roma. I don't know why I haven't seen Roma yet. Cause Alfonso Cuaron, who I think will win best director, mm-hmm. uh, deservedly so because he's just, I know that that movie is going to be fantastic mm-hmm. because he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like one of those things, like I know it's going to be great. Um, because I love all of his work. Gravity was meh, but like, I know going in that I'm going to love it. So I, I always am more intrigued to watch other movies that I'm not so sure about, you know? Uh-huh. No, but that's put up, like my, my, uh, the ones that I think are, sh- you know, shoe-ins for being my favorite. Right. So you've seen, so I'm, I'm just going to rattle off the, the nominees for best picture here. The Roma green book. And I'm actually going to go in order of, of, um, of their, I guess projected finish, like in terms of from favorite to biggest underdog Roma minus four fifty favorite, according to bet online. That's basically saying that they have, you know, there's over like an 80%, 82% chance that, uh, that's going to win best picture right now. According to that, that site, uh, green book is next plus three fifty. the favorite black Panther, black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, stars born and vice. So you've seen all of those except the Roma. Is that correct? Except for Roma. Roma. Wow. Well, that's also the easiest one to watch because it's on Netflix. So you got that going for you too. I know. Is exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I sit down and watch, watch it. it whenever. But yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear your take just because, like, like the directing is is fucking phenomenal. But some of the the shots, he tells a whole oh, story yeah. with. I mean, yeah, you know his filmmaking style. He tells his his his, his sense his visual sense has always been incredible. It's like he tells a story within each shot. Like, and, and you know, he has like these, these small pans that kind of, it opens up almost like a new space within the shot too. So it tells a, sp- a story of multiple spaces in just one single shot. It's incredible. If I could, if I could recommend anything to the listeners, it's, it's go through like the, those Mexican directors who all came up like at the same time in the early. In your Ritu, right. In your Ritu, um, Guillermo del Toro, like any of these guys, like they're, I mean, you know, and Quran included. I mean, 21 grams by, uh, 
Nosferatu oh, so good. Uh, is one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, and, beautiful. And, and actors too, like uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, like so, so damn good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he got his start with these guys. Yeah. So it's like, it's like I, I eat to my mouth tambien. And then my, my personal favorite though, from I guess Mexican directors, Mexican backdrops is Amores Peros. Oh it's yeah. Like, uh, That's his first. Uh, I forget. But yeah. That's Inaratu with Gail Garcia Bernal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so damn yeah, good. It's a great movie. So anyway, so you've seen them all. So you could draw on quite a bit of, of uh, I guess, experience here from seeing all these. Um, so let's see. Let's go through. And also a special shout out. Uh, probably the biggest lock on the entire betting board is the movie to win Best Animated Feature. And your wife, Libby Thomas Dickey. Um, worked uh, as, as in casting for Spider in, Into the Spider Verse, the movie that's a virtual lock at minus two thousand to win Best Animated Feature. So, congrats to her. Early congrats. Not trying to jinx her, but we'll be very appreciative. That She's very exciting. exciting stuff. Yeah, she passed that movie, so it's a big deal for her. And, yeah, um, big deal for me. I mean, you know. The more money she makes, the the more shit I can. Right. Make, you know I, mean? I mean, you could put that on your resume too, like married to Oscar yeah, winning I think I wife. Can. I, think, I think you can. Yeah, uh, I might put in my resume like best friends with a guy whose wife was on an Oscar winning movie or casting an Oscar winning movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so just use that. I think I might do it. It's like the um, yeah, yeah. I I think that is. Uh, are we are we chatting about the? I, I just do a special the, shout out to her, like how that's that one is a virtual lock, probably the biggest one besides the aforementioned best director being Corone, because those are similar odds. But uh, so we don't have to really dive into that unless you want to, because that's whoever wants to wager on that. I mean, it's probably no, no, no I, it's I mean, probably the safest bet you can make on the board, but yeah. you got to be willing to bet twenty dollars to win one dollar. But yeah, I wouldn't even bother me. <laughs> um. So um, how about this? I'm going to run through because right now the four acting categories, um, actors, supporting actor, actors, supporting actors, there's a pretty heavy favorite uh, on all of them. So I guess you sh- and you've seen all these movies. I believe that they're, uh, I don't know if you, have you seen the wife with Glenn, Glenn close? No. Okay. I haven't. All right. So I guess besides that one, you, you, know, you I, s- I gotta say, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not like much of a Glenn close fan. Really? So, so, so do you think, um, do you think, who do you think is more deserving of that? Because I was surprised. I thought Gaga was going to win, uh, the, the Golden I mean, Globe. Here's the thing. Like I, I loved Gaga's performance because I thought it was equally as compelling as Bradley Cooper's performance. And for her to do that is a feat in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think the singing talent aside, cause we all knew that she could sing. Um, I had no doubt, but I thought that there was a level of, of vulnerability in her performance that I just never expect from musicians, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's just harder to tap in to that kind of shit when you're an actor or when you're not an actor. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I really like that. But I also think that's a testament to Bradley Cooper's direction, which 
if we're going to talk about Oscar snubs, I, he didn't get the, yeah, he didn't get the nomination for director. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very disappointed. Yeah. So, I mean, right now the market's basically saying Glenn Close is like an 87.5% chance of winning. But if you were to, because I also know you really like Amy Adams too. She's, she's nominated, right? Isn't that, or is that Best Supporting Actress? She's nominated for, yeah. Supporting, okay, I'm mixing those up. She's fine in that movie. So, and I have not seen, I haven't seen that one either. Oh, it looks like Olivia Coleman's the other one. Um, who has yeah, she's great. Which that movie is not getting enough love. Mm-hmm. Um, the favorite. It's a. It's it's. But that's the thing, right? We were just talking about this. It's a much harder pill to swallow. It's a very weird movie, mm-hmm. you know, in in its style. So it's not the easiest to uh, watch, I guess. But it's some of the best acting of the year comes out of I just stole Olivia Coleman from one of my all-time favorite British sitcoms, um, Peep Show. That's how she got her start. If anyone wants to check that oh, out, it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Uh I forget. yeah, she's so she's good great. at that. That's like all uh first person point of view, which usually I'm used to watching only on Red Tube, but um but that that whole thing is is taken from it's a really unique show, Peep Show. It's a British comedy. You really watch from first from from like the perspective of yeah. like the person you don't like it really i see at first it takes a little getting used to maybe but by the end like you kind of once you get used to it it's i think it adds a whole new layer to the storytelling going first person like that and that also <laughs> it also adds a layer to the storytelling on the red tubes but you know it's another yeah get the pov but um so yeah it seems like she's olivia coleman's the only one who would really be able to challenge i mean according to the betting market but obviously so are you thinking if Gaga, I mean, she's, I'm seeing her at 14 to one. Do you think it might be worth from your perspective and maybe like the, the whole perspective of Gaga being an international star and voters might, might really want to kind of get, not give her like a lifetime achievement, but do you think it, it might be worth taking a little shot on Gaga at 14 to one? Little, little. I mean, here's the thing. You're, you're, I think she's going to win. Uh, song. So she'll get her Oscar. Right. So, That's- so she'll get her Oscar. And I think Oscar voters are very fickle. And when it comes to somebody with such a legacy like Glenn Close, they're probably going to give it to her mm-hmm. just because of that. It's not necess- Again, it kind of goes back to like, this is not necessarily her best performance. It's, it's the lifetime achievement factor. It's a good one. Kind of. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, they Oscar voters go, well, Lady Gaga will have more shots and Olivia yeah. Coleman, she's not done. You know, it's like, right. St- stuff that has nothing to back. do with the actual performance itself, which sucks. That's why the Oscar sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> totally. well, that, right. That's why awards. So that's, so it seems like Glenn Close. I mean, yeah, that's a good case. That's a really good point about Lady Gaga getting, getting it for best song anyway. So there's less of like a, a sympathy vote involved with her. What about, um, Okay, it seems like we don't have to talk about this one because it's it's the biggest lock on the board besides Libby getting her Oscar and Corone winning. But Mahershala Ali, he's minus two thousand for best supporting actor for the Green Book. I, I'm assuming you're you're on board with that one. I mean, I love him. I think he's amazing. Um, do I think that it, he's the best in the category? Um, 
I, I, I mean, I guess I, I really loved Sam Elliott and Adam driver's performance. So, um, you know, it's, I think it'd be nice to see one of those guys win only because they haven't won before. And Mahershala has, but Mahershala Ali, I mean, he's one of the best actors we have so, right now. So he's, he's, he's also really killing it on uh, a true detective right now. So fucking good. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's so, a, he's a huge talent. So yeah. it's, it's well, it's well deserved. Yeah. So they're saying he's a lock pretty much. Um, but what about, uh, I want to hear your, your point of view on this movie too, on Bohemian Rhapsody, but Rami Malek, he's minus 600 right now, which is pretty solid favor. You got to bet $6 to win one on him. Okay. Um, it seems like it's a two man race though, there for, for best actor. It's him or Christian Bale. Um, Christian Bale's plus he's three, movies, to, by the way. three to one. What's up? If you want me to talk about it, both of those movies. Yeah. I'm not happy either one of those movies. They both suck in my opinion. Really? I can't even fucking believe that they're giving all this like incredible adoration for, for Bohemian Rhapsody is one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. And Vice is just not a good movie. It doesn't know what the hell it is. It, it wants to be a comedy um, because it's Adam McKay and he's a comedy guy, mm-hmm. but it wants to be a drama but it's not dramatic enough and it's not funny enough. So it kind of leaves you feeling like bleh and you just end up with good performances. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think it's a good movie at all. I haven't, I haven't seen, I've wanted to watch a vice. I've, I've heard from opinions. I, I tend to trust or semi trust that similar to you on uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It just doesn't, do you not like it because it basically just captures more the, or it doesn't really capture like the essence of the band, but also kind of. It doesn't yeah. even capture the band. It's not even yeah. the essence. It's not the right. band. Like that is not the story. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not much of a, a like a big mm-hmm. Queen fan, but I know my music history because I'm, a, I'm a, because I love music mm-hmm. so much, and that's just not what happened. Like they made as soon as Brian May got on board as a producer, and. Queen was all on board. That's when the script took a huge shit in the can. It died. That's when fucking Sasha Baron Cohen got booted from the project. Um, because he, he was very, uh, animate that it be Freddie's story and not Mm -hmm. Queen's story. And of course, Queen wanted Queen and less Freddie. And they made, they made themselves look like they were rock god geniuses who, you know, are just the most loyal husbands and right. the most incredible they people on in the earth. story. That's... And they make, they make Freddie Mercury out to be this huge asshole. And I don't understand, too, why it's like a big deal for the LGBT community that this movie gets so much press when its director rapes little boys Ooh. and that's well known. And then on top of that, the movie shits all over the fact that he's gay. Like the the band, it makes it seem like they resent him for being gay, and it was a bad thing for the band that look. he was gay. And um, it was just like they made and his AIDS like was was villainized. It was just it was just all mm-hmm. it, to me. It was grotesque. I didn't like it at all. 
the music was fine, but it's like fucking. I mean, I could, I'll just watch that scene in Wayne's World on repeat for two and a half hours. <laughs> right. That's right. Me is more one of the best scenes in movie history. And I don't have a shitty fucking Mike Myers cameo. <laughs> right, right. That's no, you're you're confirming what yeah. I've heard. I mean, it's it's just that movie didn't know what the hell it was doing, and once those guys got involved, it it just it took away from what like a lot of potential. Like that movie had a lot of potential. I've heard and. Just took a wrong turn. It did have a lot. But Rami Malek, nonetheless, though, is he's like basically eighty five percent to win according to the market. But I have to, hearkening back to Roper, he's fine. I, I want to go back and say uh, I think he's fine. Yeah, but I think Christian Bale. That's if you're comparing, a, that's what Roper the two, says. What, what was that? If you're comparing the two, Christian Bale is okay. Better. Interesting. So it could be worth. See, I've, I'm trying to tap into like what the Academy would would think that if they have a similar viewpoint as you, that could be worth. Well, I, I, I think it, it, I think honestly, man, I think that this category is a toss up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rami may be in the lead, but again, this goes back to the Gaga mm-hmm. thing, right? Which is Ram, Rami Malik is a young guy. Right. The Academy tends to go with legends rather than, newbie mm-hmm. talents nominated for the first time you know i don't know what the, the percentage of um first time nominees winning their category but i believe it's a pretty small mm-hmm. number and it's because if they're young enough the academy goes oh they'll be back we'll give it to them when they're back and you know, they could easily give it to Christian Bale, who has won before, but he's a right. He won for the fighter, right, in two thousand like eleven. But he didn't win actor; he only won supporting. So support, right, supporting actor, right. So yeah. it's it's sort of like a fresh thing for him, and I think, mm. I think honestly, I think this category is more of a toss up than it's getting credit for. That's a good point. You're you're echoing what Roper said as well because he he said it's worth. He heard about that the plus money being offered on Christian Bale and said it's. It's, it's probably worth taking a look at him. Just also the, the thing about that, like the reason not to take Bale is I've heard this and I'm sure you could speak to these rumors better than anybody, but um, I hear he's a big asshole too, right? Like yeah, Christian Bale is. In Hollywood. Right, right. That's the thing. It's like, I, I mean, Christian Bale could be an asshole, but so long as he's playing the game within the, you know, academy system, mm-hmm. he'll be fine, you know. Um, and plus he like, already a, won. So it's yeah right. Like, <laughs> it didn't overcome last. Bigger last asshole then. Right. Like I heard that he wasn't ever going to win because he was such an asshole, and then he won that year because he started playing the game. Mm-hmm. And since he started playing the game and showing up to things and not being like, you know, the the Cockney, you know, I don't give a shit kind of guy, he, mm-hmm. you know. You know, he and wears a suit and tie. I, I can't help but but also think that there's like the hearkening back to like the Academy being younger and and the politically charged angle. But obviously, and I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak to that. But but his he obviously plays Dick Cheney, who's not a very well-revered figure, especially among, right. let's be real, Hollywood is extremely liberal. And when it's and when it comes down to perception of Dick Cheney, it's uh, it's well, pretty obvious the way they, they feel. But you know Hollywood which, which could be that, that's pro Hollywood him winning America loves its villains 
Right. So yeah, no, no I was films that have won the uh, Academy Award for Best Picture. Exactly. No, I'm saying that's a reason to actually to oh, think yeah. that he yeah, will yeah. win. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's surprising that you know. Um, uh, Michael Moore wasn't nominated mm. for uh, his documentary this year. Yeah, talk about a polarizing guy too. Uh, Re- Regina King for best supporting actress. She, she's actually the shortest odds of the four acting categories. Yeah, I've seen that movie, so I can't speak to that, but I love her. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's it's basically down to her. Or Amy Adams, who I know you love, or Rachel Weiss. It's going to be one of those three, but Regina King's a pretty heavy favorite. I do love Amy Adams, but I don't think that this was her best. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I honestly don't think that she was featured enough to make it her best. Really, I think. I think honestly, I think Emma Stone's getting the shaft in this category because she was, in my opinion outstanding but rachel vice in in this category i now i haven't seen regina king's performance uh-huh. so i'm uh, it's not a very wise thing for me to right to say this but uh, i'm i would go with rachel vice but um right just based off what you know right now i i think i think again we're talking about a very politically charged time mm-hmm. um so i think you know especially when the there's a lot of racial divide and, and, um, and I think it's more, it's a lot more meaningful now, right now to see, you know, people of color winning these kinds of awards on this big of a stage Mm -hmm. in front of these many people. So I, I would, I would bet pretty heavily on Regina. Especially if, I mean, at minus two fifty, it's not like, you don't have to lay a crazy price to take her there. Um, so that might be the best value on the board in terms of the favorites, at least. Maybe not value, but it's uh, probably Mahershala because he's a guarantee. But uh, but you also have to lay twenty dollars to win one dollar there. So, but from from a pure betting perspective, you definitely have to pay less money to to win more money on Regina King compared to the others. So, um, the screenplay categories and they, these always interest me uh, from like a value standpoint and betting because. Um, I feel like looking into you could look into some more like betting factors here, but uh, it seems like Black Klansman is is pretty well positioned. It's about eighty percent to win for adapted screenplay and original screenplay. The favorite is the favorite uh-huh, at minus two hundred, followed by Green Book. And I want to do you have any thoughts on those? I know you you've seen you haven't seen the favorite, or you, you have you seen the favorite? You have, yeah, yeah. I I have. Do you think that uh, do you think that's deserving uh, over Green Book? As as, I'm sorry. Do you think the favorite is is more deserving than the Green than Green Book to win Best Original Screenplay? I do, um, but that's uh, again because I think Green Book isn't the strongest script. I think it's a great story. I don't mm-hmm. think it's str- the strongest script. I think the favorite's a really great script. And it's, I mean, it's a very, but then again, it's a very visual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I, I think that story and the way it's told um, is just more interesting. 
I, I don't know as far as betting goes what to, I mean, I would definitely lean on green book. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I think the favorites better screen. Well, fa- favorite is the favorite. So it's that it, it is that way. Oh, it is it that is. way for a reason, I guess. So I guess it, the, yeah, the betting absolutely. market agrees with you there. And then did you see, you said you saw Black Klansman or just uh, Black Panther? Yeah, I liked it a lot. That one, yeah. uh, it's really good. do you get the thumbs up for that script as well? I mean, yeah, in that category, I, I yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, I think uh, a lot of writers, you know, it's a lot of writers on that, uh, which to me is always like, all right, so how, you know, how good uh, is the script really if you needed like seven writers on it? Um, But I do, I mean, I loved the stars born again. I loved stars born. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, do I think it's a great adapt, like a better adaptation than blacks, black Klansman? Certainly not. Mm -hmm. So so you're saying I should not take the ballad of Buster Scruggs at 50 to one. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think uh, I don't think it's the Coen Brothers year this year. <laughs> I'll keep my money away from that one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is where Roper comes into play because he he had some takes on Best Picture, but also um, this ties in here into costume. Fucking Roper, all of a sudden, has become like like this revered <laughs> like, I, like movie. It's amazing to me. Really, the rope. Like this guy came out of no. Like Ebert was just like, I like this guy at the paper. I want to put him on the thing. It was, and all of it was a sudden, good timing he, for Roper. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because he took over for Siskel, right? Right, directly after. Was Ebert like yeah. solo for a while? Ebert was solo for a stint, hmm. and then um, he brought on Roper when uh, his health started to dip. All right. Well, I think Roper. The reason why I keep talking about him is he's like he's speaking from like the value standpoint on, on the betting um because he's, he's at least aware of the market i'm sure he's betting on it too but um he he made the point about and this totally ties into what you were saying as well about these politically charged times he thought that there's value in taking black panther and black Klansmen both um he gave when he was when i heard him talk about it they were like at 16 to 1 or 18 to 1 at the time but right now both films are twenty-five to one to win them all. To win it all, so if you know you put you know ten bucks on each one, you just if one of them wins, you're going to be making out gloriously. Um, but that change in the odds, I think, is kind of indicative that that they're not going to win. But um, I'm going to bring the attention here to where I think the best value on the board might be, and that's on costume design and production design uh, for Black Panther. Um, right now, the favorite for for uh, costume design is the favorite, ironically at minus four hundred. But Black Panther. That's bullshit. So yeah, yeah. So I, w- I want you to take this away right now. Right now, basically the favorite. The favorite I, is the favorite in both these categories. But Black Panther's right behind them at plus two twenty five, plus two fifty. So if if they did just win one of the two categories, you'd make money if you bet on both. But take it away. We're talking about we're talking about um, costume and, and production design. Um. Wait, wait, or uh, and, and costume uh, design, both of them, both of them. Right, I, 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 I just disagree. I, I think the costumes in Black Panther are incredible. Mm-hmm. The only thing that it has going against it is that at at 
multiple points in the film, those costumes are CG. Interesting. You know, so it's not. But again, it, this goes to a deeper leveled question, which is like, does that mean that it's not costume mm-hmm. design if it's mm-hmm. digital? Um, so I, I believe that it is. And I think that Black Panther has the better costumes. Do I think it has better production design? Um, I think it's a superhero movie, so it's bombast and it's a lot of colors and it's a lot mm-hmm. happening and it's big and it's sprawling mm-hmm. and it's epic. But there's something about the production design and the favorite. It's very subtle and very beautiful and it's all practical mm-hmm. effects. It's not mm-hmm. CG. Um, these are the real locations and it the way it's lit, I just think that production design is better for the favorite, and I think costume design certainly okay. Black Panther. Good, duly noted. Because right now the favorite's the favorite of both of those categories, but costume design. I was thinking of doing that of of putting a little down on Black Panther in both those categories, but maybe I'll do a little more on costume design after you said that. Because I, I mean, in my in my much more limited yeah, I mean, um, experience of this, I I tend to agree with you. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like what I said about it being digital is certainly not how okay. the Academy feels. The Academy doesn't, you know, honor uh, the digital arts and mm. as much as they should. Um, so if I were a betting man uh, like yourself, I would probably put my okay. money down on the favorite. It's good to know. Unfortunately you have to comes at a price there, but, but uh it seems your your mind's definitely in the right place there because the favorite's a favorite for a reason, clearly. So yeah, but here's the thing: like with these categories, like you see it every fucking year, man. You bet the line, yep. and like they show up out of nowhere with these left field surprises, right? Yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> sometimes even the the people announcing the damn winners themselves don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> so, so uh, no, that's a good point. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned watching these Oscars too, and I mean, this is not going to be my first year wagering on them. But it's that the favorite does not win every category. That's for sure. Um, so, I mean, far from it. Far from, there's going to be some dogs that cash here. So looking, trying to find the value and with the backdrop of all the political stuff going on right now and everything like that is where I think we can maybe find the value in some of these films like, you know, Green Book, Black Panther, Black Klansman, even the favorite. Because isn't the favorite like a, a L, uh, LGBT yeah, um, it's a movie as well? It's about right. Queen Anne, uh, rumored lesbian relationships. Okay, so yeah, yeah, it all takes bit, like place in the backdrop of like royal stuff too. It's really interesting. I gotta watch that. It's, but, I uh, mean, it's a great movie. In my uh, um, so closing up now, we got we've already touched on it. Best director, and it seems like you're totally on board with this. But biggest lock on the board, uh, Alfonso Cuarón. He's minus twenty five hundred. So, but I heard Roper bringing him back one final time. He and going back to the whole career achievement thing, Spike Lee, Spike, Spike, Spike Lee, seven to one. He might even get him up to like ten to one. Um, he's never been nominated before, and it's also coincidentally the thirty year anniversary of Do the Right Thing when that came out. Um, so I don't know if it could be like that could be in the back of the of the Academy's mind this week. But do you think there's anything to be said for maybe putting a small slice down on Spike Lee since Corone's already won one? 
I mean, it's tough because Quran, in my opinion, is one of those generational auteurs that is like Spielberg or mm-hmm. Scorsese, um, you know, some of the American greats. And I think, it, it, I think it, it's not only well deserved, but it's there's a reason that he's the front runner, right? Um, and Again, going back to political time, I mean, he's cu- currently coming, he's from the country that we're uh, currently, um, apparently, in an emergency. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And so I think if you want to talk That's about point. the most timely a- political thing happening at the Oscars, it's going to be him winning yeah. uh, during national emergency. Uh, right because of the country he's from. Right. So um, I think it's a great story to tell for, you know, those watching at home. And I think it's a well-deserved uh, award for one of who will go down as one of the greatest directors of mm-hmm. all time. Do I think Spike Lee deserves this nomination? Absolutely. I think this is one of his best movies. Do I think he'll win? Unfortunately, no. I think it's totally disgusting that he's never been nominated before. But I just don't. I just don't think this is the movie. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, he's brought it up against the freight train, Alfonso Cuarón, too. You know, and for for all the reasons you right. just said. I mean, not only is it an amazing movie, um, but and his directing's out of this world. I'm excited for you to see it and hear your point of view, but. You know, he's brought it up against the political, like you just mentioned, all this stuff about the uh, about being Mexican and the movie taking place in Mexico. For anybody who hasn't seen it, Roma is the name of a neighborhood in Mexico City. Um, I know some people are confused by that, but um, so I mean, it's just it's the right it's the right movie for the right time, and I don't even have to see mm-hmm. it to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, just as a as a as a human being who's paying right. attention. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, I mean, could close up here with, with uh, best picture. I mean, you've seen, so of all the ones you've seen, which ironically, the only one you haven't seen is the one that's the pretty overwhelming favorite to win. But of all the ones you've seen, which do you give best picture to you? Just you, not what you think will win. I mean, here's the thing. I know I'm going to love Rome. Right. I just know it. Yeah. Um, but honestly, man, my favorite uh, out of all of these, and this is going to sound uh, surprising, um, but it's A Star is Born. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised. Out of every movie in this category, that was the one that I enjoyed the most. Because if you look at that list, um, you know, Black Panther, albeit a comic movie is not a comedy it's not a light-hearted mm-hmm. movie um it, it's a lot of very heavy subjects and while i think you know we live in a time where that's more prevalent and i think it's important to tell those stories i i, I get so depressed at the movies now that it, seeing a movie like a star is born all, you know i know that it ends in a sad way but uh I like in I was engrossed in it and I enjoyed it and I was like smiling crying for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. It was just like 
getting goosebumps at the right points. It was just to me that that's why you go to the movies. Is a movie like that? That's why you well go to said. The movies. You know, a movie like Roma is, a, I'm sure, a great film, but it came out on Netflix, and it's more than fine that it came mm-hmm. out on Netflix. It's not a movie you have to go to see in the theater, right, which is crazy because if, if any movie, uh, I mean, I haven't seen all these at all. I, I barely have seen any of the movies on the list, but of all the movies that you would want to see on the big screen, I think Roma's right up. The, you know, it's number one. So I find that ironic that you could it went straight to Netflix, but. Um, do, do you know right. if there's, I mean, I'm sure in LA, there, is there a way to see Roma on the big screen at all? Um, Roma was, I think, out? I thought it was nationally out for like a month. Was it? it was out here in theaters for like a couple of weeks uh, leading up to its release on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't hear anybody that had gone to see it in the theater. I think it's hard because it's like, Oh, it's going to be on yeah, we'll, Netflix? Oh, I'll it's wait. Like, yeah, yeah. What's the incentive? I mean, half of us are unemployed out <laughs> here. It's like, what's the incentive to spend the extra right, cash? Just wait know? for it. I, I, I imagine, you know, assuming it does win, uh, they might, it might get some kind of run, you know, after the fact through the theaters again, maybe. I would imagine so. I'm honestly a little surprised they haven't mm-hmm. done it yet. Yeah, to generate more um, buzz. Yeah. Because they always. Yeah, I mean, usually with these kinds of movies, they they do a theater run of it. Even if it's like a movie that like they want to, you know, get a big push for the Oscars, you know, they'll they'll bring back a movie that came out, you know, earlier mm-hmm. in the year, uh closer to the award season so that people get to see it that didn't get a chance mm-hmm. but want to now. Right. Which there's you know a lot I mean? of. I mean, I, I always feel like I'm one of those people after after the Oscars happen, I always want to see like the winning category ones, you know? So. Of course. Um, so you think that's interesting that you like the stars born. Um, do you, yeah, and I think Bohemian Rhapsody should take <laughs> the fucking clearly, shit Clearly, clearly you do. So, so, uh, which film, I guess, closing out, which film do you think will win? I guess it's like kind of a dumb question. <laughs> yeah. Roma. I don't think as great as you know Black Klansman and Black Panther were I just I mean comic book movie like that more which is more campy and more like you know visual will never win best mm-hmm. picture in my opinion until the Academy is like all people that grew up with movies. Like if, if our generation were all the Academy, we'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's give black. Right. Panther yeah, exactly. But, but that, that's the thing though. The younger, the hearkening back to the, that point by Roper, these younger that over a thousand new members. And most of them are under age 50. So it is starting to get younger. So that's, you know, the straw is going to break the camel's back eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, this could be the year. We'll see. So I guess closing out with, well, I also had some written down. Do you have any hot takes on, on like TV shows, anything that uh, mere mortals uh, mere out here, not uh, us, us mere mortals out here in not LA should be aware of? Like, do you have any recommendations, like any behind well, in four minutes, or under, under the radar? Well, in four minutes is the Survivor premiere. So uh, you, I could definitely recommend that. 
Oh, fuck. I will be glued to the TV for that. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we're not all, we're not all uh, saints here with our um, taste in L.A. Uh, I, what can I recommend? You know, I honestly uh, been getting a lot more into docu-series stuff. And there's this great docu-series. I'm going to look it up right now for the exact name. But um, mm. it's called like Larry Charles' Most Dangerous Places in Comedy. Have you heard of this? No, I've not. Larry Charles is the guy who's directed all the Sasha Baron Cohen movies. He was also okay. um, he directed that terrible documentary Religious, and then he. Um, but he was also a producer and a major writer on Seinfeld back in the day. Ah. Oh. Um, and okay. he, what, essentially what it is without boring everyone with details, he goes to all these, um, places where you wouldn't expect comedy to be flourishing. And he learns through interviews with people and comedians in the area and audience members, like about what comedy is like there. So the very first, um, episode is about like survivors of war in the middle east um, interesting and so he like goes to the middle east and he interviews like comedians who have like had their fucking brother die from uh you know an m16 right. assault rifle on the battlefield you know what i mean like huh. um interesting. just from walking home one day like it, it's just like but he's somehow this person somehow found comedy out of that so it's like really fascinating. So I recommend that. Okay. No, it's good. So definitely under the radar. I've never heard of it. At least under the radar for me. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll close out with best bets. I mean, do you, from anything we talked about, I, I'll go ahead and start it from a value standpoint. It seems like you were on board with this as well. So this is the, the Craig and Roper double whammy. Um, but taking a little look at the plus price on, where do I have it? Um Christian Bale, Christian Bale at plus 250 or better to win best actor for Vice instead of uh, the favorite Rami Malek for the reasons Craig discussed. I think that could be worth a slice. Also, um, I'm not going to, I think maybe a little slice of money on Black Panther and Black Klansman at 25 to one or better, but it seems like Rome is just going to run away with that one. So I would definitely keep that small. And then also Black Panther, Craig said costume design, uh, it was either costume design or production design. I might put a little on both because if one of them wins, you're going to make a nice little profit. But it seems like Craig had more of a lean towards costume design on that one. Like I said, so all the listeners out there who are actually voting are, are actually um, betting on this. Like, always go uh, with the movie with the most practical effects in those categories because a lot of times the Academy being a bunch of old people <laughs> they don't like the computer machines <laughs> making all the movies anymore. <laughs> Why can't we see it like it used to be? And those are the categories where they can get right. the traditionalists. You know, they can, yeah. go, they can get those things out. They can, you know, make sure that those kinds of movies mm. win. In those categories. all those damn old relics in the Academy, oh. but it's changing, man. I think we're going to more, more young people and everything, but uh, being a part of it, maybe you guys, maybe you and Libby will be part of the Academy one day. Who knows? But uh, 
I think we'll be seeing that. <laughs> I, um, I won't, but I'll, I will definitely be at their luncheons. <laughs> And I'll drink their free booze. They'll have me. <laughs> as long as you invite me too, man. Uh, well, that'll do it, dude. This, do you have anything else? Any parting words for the people? This has been excellent. Obviously, we I, I knew this was coming. We've been talking for over an hour and 10 minutes, hour 12 minutes now. But, um, but yeah. You're welcome, America. <laughs> but, oh, it was good, man. I liked hearing your thoughts on the on all the films. Hopefully brought some people some uh, – or people some value on the betting board. It seems like there's a lot of chalk this year. So if you're fine with doing that, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty inclined to look at the prices on all the favorites, see where I can find the shortest one, and maybe just go in that route as well, especially with um, Regina King uh, at minus 250. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully it, it was really fun, man. You got really great perspective yeah. on that stuff. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. And uh, I will, of course, as we're talking, Duke is – not making a comeback. I mean, Zion did go down. There's, I mean, there's yeah, bitch. Yeah. UNC's up 13 with just under three minutes left. So it looks like Duke's going to lose that one, but the revenge game, everyone looked to play on Duke. Dickie with the pick. <laughs> the pick. I'm going to bet the shit out of Duke in that rematch, especially if Zion's back, but that's, well, I'm going to start a, a competitive, while you're doing that, I'm going to start a competitive podcast and it's going to be called Dickie picks. And it's going to be <laughs> all about sports and my picks. And I am not a better, so it will be ill-advised advice on how to bet on game. <laughs> but uh, just you wait. It'll be fascinating. People can't wait already. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. I'm going to get your ass back at some point. We'll talk about some other shit. Yes, sure. please. Have me back. All right, man. All right. I will talk All to right. you later. Thanks for coming on. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much to Craig for coming on the pod. That was excellent. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. I will be back next week with a new episode diving deeper into college basketball handicapping strategies. And I'm also talking to the boys over at the Top Class Finish podcast soon about getting a couple of them on here to the Doggy Juice Pod soon to talk about some soccer as Champions League heats up. Those dudes have an awesome soccer podcast over at Top Class Finish. They're doing some big things over there, so be sure to check them out and give them a follow on social media. As for me, give me a follow at Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram. There you'll find my best bets. If you've been following those since day one, you've made mint. I've probably already yourself a wave runner that'll do it for this episode thank you so much for listening take care and god bless good luck with your bets doggy juice out